welcome back everyone to another episode of Stamped. Today I am joined by Candace Ricks. Hey Candace. Hey, hey. So Candace and I have a really interesting, um, I guess, introduction and then reintroduction story. Mm-hmm. And so we thought it would just be fun to share with the stamped audience. So uh, I'll start actually with the, the reintroduction part. Um, so we had a colleague who just thought that our interest in study abroad and um, topics that related to um Black diaspora in general were very much aligned. And she was like, I just really want you to meet her. So we um, decided to meet for lunch at NAFSA at a NAFSA convention, um, the one that was in DC. And as we're in line ordering, and she's talking about her, her travel abroad, her teaching abroad, and we discovered that we had similarities teaching abroad in China. And so then a little bit later, I said, you know, you're going to think this is really odd, but I really feel like I've met you before. (laughs) Realized that we did, in fact, meet in China when we were teaching abroad through a mutual friend. (laughs) Yeah, the the craziest thing about that story, too, I think, is it it was just so happenstance. And then for us to be brought back together again, a regarding travel and then study abroad as well right yeah eventually like moving forward we're trying to like you know work together for a conference proposal um I thought was just so full circle um that day when we had first met each other um if I could tell this part of the story I was actually going uh, to a friend's house who was getting ready to leave China she was Mm -hmm. another black woman and author as you know and she and I had met through another friend who was part of the No Madness Travel Tribe. Mm. And so for me, I always tell everyone that it's so important to network. Um, I personally am just someone who really enjoys making friends. And, you know, this particular friend, I was just randomly going to hang out with her, her house and we crossed paths. And like, who would have thought that five years later, here we are on your podcast? <laughs> like, exactly. Thanks again for joining us. Sure, absolutely. It's it's really my pleasure. (laughs) Yay. Well, we always start off by having guests tell us about their early travel experiences. So talk to us about what travel was like for you growing up. Yeah. So growing up, um, actually, my father was a ranger in the Army. And my mother uh, did not have similar experiences in that regard. So my father, you know, always talked about how he had learned to speak Korean and he had many different types of friends. Um, He worked for an organization that really uh, propped up the, you know, ideas of diversity and inclusion. So I always grew up sort of, you know, with that idea. But my mom, on the other hand, um, it wasn't that she didn't hold those same values, but she she doesn't like flying. My mother has never been on a plane. Okay. So much of the travel that I did when I was younger, I think like many um, African-American families, centered around family reunions, visiting people, and that often included us driving, um, whether it be to Florida, to South Boston, Virginia, where I have family, um, or taking the train. Um, I took a train uh, to Montreal for my 17th birthday. That was like a highlight trip um, of my highlighted trip of my youth. So it was always uh, on the ground. And it wasn't until um, 
I want to say my freshman year of college that I actually got on an airplane and I was I loved it I was like this is great I can get, get here quick I can get yes. here officially <laughs> um, and I just enjoy uh, you know again traveling uh, for me has always been about visiting people right like visiting family visiting friends so I think that my mom actually wanted, always wanted me to study at a university um, internationally, but I was scared to do that. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going to school in New Orleans, which was like a year away from my dad, from his mm-hmm. perspective, because I'm a daddy's girl. <laughs> um, and that, that, you know, that city hosts a lot of culture and just a lot of, uh, you know, really uh, interesting and unique history there, right, within within that community. So for me, travel always centered around like family, friends, and just building relationships and getting connected to people on a deeper level. And I think I've really like continued that theme into my adult life. Um, so it's interesting to kind of, I think, reflect back on that. Yeah, absolutely. And so many, I just finished a, a pretty big research project um, tracing kind of history and uh, I mean, it, it really is interesting to see these developments over time, both in our society and the impact it's had on the Black community in terms of mobility and mm-hmm. access to like freedom of space, just that notion of movement equaling equaling freedom. So, mm-hmm. yeah. no, another perspective I can share as well, um, specifically thinking about uh, freedom and wealth as, you know, mobility, right? Um, My great-grandmother on my father's side was born on a plantation Mm. uh, in uh, North Carolina. And I remember at 12 years old, sitting at her table and having conversations with her, drinking coffee way earlier than I probably should have. I was so (laughs) excited. (laughs) Just, I just really loved talking with her. Uh, Her name was Charlotte and Every time you would ask her how she was doing, she would always say, I'm blessed by the best, hopping but not stopping. And she really had like this this spirit about her that was very diligent. Um, And she would tell me stories about how, you know, she didn't get an opportunity to finish school um, and she really wanted to. And for me, it felt like, man, I want to go as far as possible, do as much as I can because Mm -hmm. my great grandmother didn't really feel that she had the opportunity um, or didn't really have the supports to do so, right? And so who am I to not go out and make friends and meet people and learn more about the ways that other people live? So okay. part of my travel, I think my experiences from the past kind of were rooted in being like, oh, I want to feel free. I want to go, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I think the the bit I know about your life and your experiences, I think definitely is, um, pays homage to, to that notion for your grandmother. So thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah. Yeah. So now being that you had this, this background and understanding of um, ways of mobility through your father's work um, and cultural experiences at school, how were you first introduced to the idea of studying abroad? Oh, that's a great question. So, you know, I was working as a waitress um, in uh, college. Mm-hmm. I worked at this like casual fine down in Mexican restaurant for many years. And I had a friend, a girlfriend who had went to Morocco. And I was like, girl, how did you like manage to set that up? Like, I want to go to 
Africa as well. I would love to travel. And so, you know, I, I think I trusted her, um, her perspective a bit more because, you know, she was another like African-American woman. And I felt like she understood the things that I was scared about. And, you know, essentially she told me about the entire process. And then I had met another friend who also worked there who um, ended up going on a trip. I want to say that she went on like a cruise travel experience. I'm not exactly I'm sure what it was, but just having these two people, um, you know, while I was in college, tell me that I could I could do it made me feel like, oh, maybe I can. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's something that's been a trend along the pe- a lot of the people that I've interviewed is that even if it wasn't something I thought about before, if I did, but had some, you know, trepidation, the person who was like, no, you can do it. This is, let me take you through the process. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that one of uh, somebody really motivating you, I think, is deeply important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So did you, at that point, then connect with the study abroad office? Take us through these processes. Yep. Yeah. So my friend went to school in Virginia, and I was actually at Towson University in Baltimore. And I had, I was a transfer student. And, you know, as a transfer student, I think that you feel a little bit disconnected from the campus experience because you didn't onboard there. Mm. But you're also a little bit more focused, I feel, I mean, I was definitely someone who I would describe myself as like a go-getter. You know, I, I was like, I, this is expensive. <laughs> okay, like if I'm going to be on this campus, I need to go to every class. Um, <laughs> books are expensive and I need to graduate so that I can, you know, be able to sustain myself. So, uh, you know, with that in my mind, when I went to the study abroad office um, at Towson, I felt like they they heard me. I said, I just know I want to go to Morocco. And I chose Morocco because after hearing from my friends uh, about my friend's experience, and then at that point in time, uh, the Arab Spring had uh, started to to come to light. And I was really curious about Islamophobia, just, mm. you know, and thinking about uh, oppression uh, with regard to like the Black community, but also internationally. I was very curious about that. So I said, actually, I do think I want to go to Morocco. And I went to the study abroad office. Um, they were very helpful. I worked with one of the advisors there. And I think that she was uh, actually very happy that uh, I came to her because essentially I had already done a lot of research on the back end. And when I went to her, I pretty much already knew what it was that I wanted to do. Whereas, you know, now after a few years of working in study abroad, I recognize that many students don't know anything um, about study abroad, not all, but there's quite a few who don't know much about the field or what the programs entail. And I had, again, because I was a, a little bit of an older student, had transferred. I went the full shebang and like doing research, and I brought everything to her and said, "Hey, like I need help, but this is what I found." Yeah. Now, how did this um, this study abroad experience dovetail with what you were studying in college? Hmm. Yeah, so I was getting a degree in psychology, but I did have a minor in international relations. And I think that my the courses that I earned credit for while I was there didn't transfer over for my psychology degree, but they were um, really strong electives. And because I was interested in people, right, um, mm-hmm. mental health and wellness, as well as culture, I it really um, fit together. Um, so I took one of my favorite courses in undergrad was cross-cultural psychology. 
So having an opportunity to go to Morocco, I studied at a university called uh, Moulay Ismail University in Meknes, which is one of the older imperial uh, cities in a desert. Um, and those professors were awesome. One of my favorite courses that I took there, um, I took gender studies, um, I took peace and conflict resolution, um, Islamic politics and society, right? So really getting an opportunity to learn more about uh, the, per the Islamic perspective on mm -hmm. what I had already learned at home um, and then applying it to, again, looking at gender studies, right? And peace and conflict, the, the factual, what actually happened, but also examining the mentality and the culture of the setting and the context, if you will, uh, it was really helpful. I think it was very helpful for me coming home. I bet. And now what were the classes like um, in country? Did you find that they were similar to your classes at Townsend or structured much different? I think they were similar in this the structure. Okay, like I have a schedule and, you know, I have to go and I'm in class, but the class sizes were very small. Mm. Um, the classes were only with the U.S. students because of the type of program that I was on, but we were on the local campus. So whenever we weren't in class, we were hanging out with other Moroccan students who, some of which I'm still friends with to this day. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I was going to ask about kind of navigating your way around uh, the destination. Oh, man, Morocco. <laughs> <laughs> so it's... It, <laughs> I guess it would be a good time to say, you know, I, I'm now moving on, I've moved on to something different, but I did, uh, when I moved back home, I had an opportunity to work with the company that I studied abroad with. So it was really fun to be able to work um, in conjunction with my former uh, re region, uh, resident director, excuse me. Yeah. And I think they really did an excellent job of creating space for us. Um, the office was a space where we could go and just kind of relax and hang out with them ask questions. Uh, when we first got there, they had a program set up essentially that was called the Bridging Cultures Program, Ooh. which, yeah, it was, I think that it was honestly really great because, you know, when you arrive, you're like, I'm in Africa <laughs> and it's a new time zone. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so like they get you acclimated by talking a little bit about culture, the differences, explaining how and, and where to, to do certain things. And also just reassuring you that, hey, we are here every step of the way. We want you to feel confident in exploring, but know that we are your anchors. Mm. And so that's essentially what the Bridging Cultures program was. Um, so one of the, the, the first things that I learned um, being in Morocco was the concept of waiting in line was different. Mm. The concept of traffic was different. And I'm like, oh, okay. I think I understand a few things now. Like, <laughs> this is different and I have to buckle up. And I really went into my experience with no expectations. Mm. I told myself, I'm going to be completely open, allow my brain to be like elastic and just soak up different things and bend and pry and have no assumptions. Remember, my main goal was to learn more about Islamic culture because of Islamophobia. So I'm like, I'm just gonna like, you know, be present and just learn and like meet people. <laughs> yeah. That's just what it's gonna be. I think that's so good. I feel like towards the end of my my time uh, working in study abroad, that was one thing I really tried to talk to students about was mm -hmm. like, what are you going to this destination? What are you expecting? What do you hope to get out of it? 
and how can you manage that throughout your experience? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's great that you went there just with an open mind, but but also connected to your ultimate goal of, of learning about the culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say I think that it partially, you know, because I had some time being a transfer student and going through different things, getting to know myself a little bit more. Um, I knew that, for example, part of my identity is that I was raised as like a Christian woman, and that is a very specific experience. Um, And so it wasn't that I wanted to necessarily convert to Islam, right? I just wanted to learn Mm. um, in order to like have a better perspective because I had already taken like comparative religion courses as well. Yeah. Well, and there's certainly no better way than being in country. I think that's absolutely amazing. Exactly. Especially because (laughs) I was studying Arabic and I was not speaking Arabic in in Baltimore. (laughs) (laughs) Now, did you study abroad another time? Uh, No, I only studied abroad that one time. Um, It was actually my... the first semester, the fall semester of my senior year too, which is like, oh, like people say don't do that, but I did it. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's interesting too, a lot of like, uh, well, not a lot, but some universities have used that as an option for like when they've had overcrowding and things, they've yep. offered study abroad as a way to kind of control that for, for first year students. I thought, oh, that's inventive. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, actually, I think that, um, you know, one of I think that that's coming out of this pandemic, right, is that, you know, I had worked with some universities who were expressing interest in doing that because students were sort of backed up and, you know, they wanted to come on campus. But I think that it's an excellent opportunity, especially for your freshman year. Obviously, you know, um, you have to, if you are a student listening to this, you would need to speak with your guardian, right, about what's best for you and the locations. But for me, I feel like study abroad is an experience that I want every student to have because it really does expand you and help to build your confidence. Yeah, I agree. In an earlier conversation, you mentioned that you felt as though many of your experiences were a result of a series of saying yes. So I wanted to use this time to break down those experiences that came as a result of saying yes. Talk to us about international experiences after the study abroad. Oh, man. <laughs> China was not my first destination. And sometimes I feel grateful for that. <laughs> um, I think I was prepared when I got to China. So when I returned home, um, I essentially had to graduate. <laughs> and I was so riled up, Sharice, about the fact that people were going to college for free abroad. <laughs> And I knew that I did not want to go directly to graduate school. I just felt it was so absurd. And I ended up doing AmeriCorps for a year. And my my roommate in uh, in Morocco, who is now one of my best friends today, was from New Orleans. And so I moved oh. back to New Orleans and and finished my uh, my my bid or my stint with um, AmeriCorps. And she and I continued to like build our friendship, build our relationship. And at the end of my contract. She approached me and was like, hey, my, her current boyfriend was like, let's go to Turkey. Let's teach. And I'm like, great. I had (laughs) plans to move back to Morocco and I didn't because my friend fell in love with someone. (laughs) So that like fell apart. (laughs) So when I got this opportunity, you know, I, I, 
heard that they were interviewing for kindergarten teachers. I was already working um, at a school in New Orleans with middle school children. And I'm like, oh, this will be amazing. I would love to. Yeah. So I said, yes, <laughs> I got the job and I moved to, to Istanbul and I lived in a, a small community called Gukturk and I worked at a, a small, uh, if you will, like kindergarten working with some four-year-olds, teaching them English. They were amazing. Their parents were awesome. It was just a, a all in out very, um, it was an interesting experience for several reasons. Um, you know, I think that this particular experience really taught me early on the importance of knowing how to negotiate mm. and doing research with regard to contracts, um, understanding what it is that you want. Um, I learned a lot <laughs> through that experience about friendships, about work, and you know about doing private lessons because I also yes. was able to get some clients there. Um, so that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then after Turkey, was it China? No, it wasn't. <laughs> It wasn't. So after Turkey, I felt like I, I didn't want to go home yet. And I had mentioned uh, No Madness earlier. And I think it was around that time, actually, that I had joined No Madness maybe like late 2014. Mm-hmm. And I was just looking at a post and someone had essentially said, hey, I need an au pair to come to Switzerland. There's a family looking for someone else. I'm here. And I'm putting out a bat call. You know how they say the bat calls. Right. So I responded and I met this woman who essentially said, yes, come. It's amazing. You'll love the family. She set up an interview for me and everything went well. It was um, a single mom of two children. She was French living in Switzerland. Very powerful woman, but also super sweet. And she wanted me to come and help her to manage the children. And I said, okay, sure. I've been teaching kindergarten like this will be a breeze for me. And I ended up going. And the person who recruited me for that is also another one of my best friends to this day. <laughs> we also connected through travel. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't speak about it often because it just honestly feels like a blip in time. Mm. And when you're just constantly moving in that way, you don't think about it too much. But I feel very grateful to have built relationships like with these dynamic women. The woman who I'm speaking about right now, um, who invited me to Switzerland is now currently teaching uh, in Uganda mm. and she works uh, on DEI initiatives and getting more um, African-Americans to teach abroad and, you know, to be involved in the international uh, school system. So we can talk more about that later, but my friends are amazing. So yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, that's one of the greatest benefits. It's just amazing, these relationships that you can build. It's not just about, you know, going and seeing these really great places. Because sometimes I think when we talk about study abroad, it's easy to focus on the, the destination attractions right. Right. and not all of the other things that you gain from, right. from study abroad experiences. A hundred percent. And I, I think that that is essentially like the message that I always have for students whenever I would go to a campus is, you know, listen, like you have the opportunity to see, to see these amazing things. And I encourage you to do that. But I also want you to think about the most important thing in life, which is relationships. Mm. <laughs> it's the relationships that you build that will help you to learn more about yourself and grow, but will help you to stay connected to others and have more opportunities. Right. And as we support each other, we have an opportunity to continue to grow our networks and our initiatives and so on and so forth. So um, after my experience in 
in Switzerland, she and I parted ways because she was going to graduate school. And I had another friend who I had worked with. Oh my God. I think I had worked with him maybe somehow in Turkey we were connected. I can't remember. And he invited me to come teach at a summer camp in Italy. <laughs> I was like, okay. I said, yes, of course, because that was my thing at the time. I'm just saying yes to everything. I do not want to go home. So I moved to this small village um, or smaller village in uh, Northern Italy called Ponte Cafaro, which is maybe about like, I want to say like two hours outside of Verona. And oh my God, absolutely beautiful. Absolutely amazing. I had no idea that children could be so excited to come to summer camp to learn yeah. English. They were so sweet. And I worked with a woman there named uh, Sunday who was great at coordinating. You know, she was very hospitable. Her family was amazing. And I just hung out in Italy. <laughs> that was great. And that I just learned fabulous. a lot. Yeah. And um, after, I, after that ended, um, you know, I parted ways from my friends there and some of which I reconnected to later on because they ended up in Asia as well. Mm. But I had one more stop. Before I, I went uh, to China, I actually went back to Turkey because here's the other part that people don't talk about, the non-glamorous side, which I think you know. <laughs> when you are moving about in the way in which we do, uh, you have to make sure that you are respectful of the laws and the customs, which means that I had to wait for my visa. Mm. So that was a very stressful time. Yeah. Uh, because as you know, uh, with regards to the Republic of China, right, they are always uh, bending and changing rules and policies. And one minute it's this, the next minute is something different. And I was just caught in like a little bit of a limbo. So I ended up going back to Turkey, staying with friends that I had met there uh, and teaching adults. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I had an opportunity to teach adults, which was so different from my teaching kindergarten and middle school, right? And I actually really enjoyed that experience because it, I think this for me was another sort of aha moment, if you will, mm -hmm. where I really thought about the importance of relationship because now speaking with adults, see, adult learners are different. They ask more questions. Right. They don't just take you know everything you say they are essentially, you know, they're going to ask and they're also going to tell. And we had some really honest conversations about uh, uprisings in the city, uh, just the, pro the, like the, the history, right, with regard to like location. And, and that was really important for me because again, it gave me a little bit more, I think, depth of understanding of the importance of just relationships and understanding culture and people and networks is very yeah. interesting. And mm -hmm. so I think about now just in terms of like understanding of self, like racial identity and what that means in different spaces mm -hmm. and just being in a different location and really considering all that in an intentional manner, mm -hmm. I, I think would be really good for me to, to have an additional experience. Yeah. Man, identity. I could like do a whole podcast just on the ways in which my identity fluctuated depending on which country I was in. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know how deep we can get here, but thinking about like dating, right? Mm. 
making friends, things like that, um, just the way in which you experience yourself, it, it can it can differ, right? Um, yeah. Based on the the host country's perception of who they think you are, right? Right. So after that experience in Istanbul, I didn't stay there uh, much longer. I think I was there maybe for about, oh my God, it had to be maybe like three months because that's how long it took for China to approve me. <laughs> um, after After I left Turkey, this is when I finally went to China. And I remember when I first got to China and feeling like, if anyone asks me, what is it like here? I'm, the only answer I could give a person is you just had to be there. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that respectfully, right? I think yeah. that um, it was just, it was different. You know, it was, uh, it was also because I was processing and making meaning of my surroundings. But I had so much fun when I first got there. <laughs> I had so much fun. The company that I was working with had sort of like a cohort system of the way in which they brought teachers in. I think you're familiar. Yeah. And that was very comforting for me, actually. And funny enough, when I moved to China, part of the reason why this was also another yes, because I had a friend of mine who I had did AmeriCorps with back in New Orleans, like three years prior, who reached out and said, man, I see you on on Instagram, I see you traveling, and I think I want to go to China. Like, how do you feel about going to China? This is the company I'm going with. And I said, okay, I'll go. <laughs> and so we ended up being roommates. <laughs> when nice. I first got there. Exactly. So it was a really dope experience because I had her sort of like as my anchor, right? But then I also formulated more relationships and friendships with people who I'm still very close with to this day just by saying yes and going, you know, for that opportunity. And I think that one of the things that really stood out to me um, in China specifically was just Guangzhou. I was in Guangzhou, which, as you know, is uh, one of the port cities. It's uh, a place where they host the Canton Fair. For anyone who's not familiar with the Canton Fair, it is essentially a huge seller's market or seller's fair where if you are someone who is interested in maybe private labeling or drop shipping or anything mm. like this with regard to being involved in import export, you have the opportunity to go and get a badge and meet directly with uh, these companies, um, the factories and so on and so forth. And aside from that, something else I should mention, part of the reason why I said yes to this opportunity is because I was interested in that. Oh. And teaching was a, a sort of like a vehicle for me to get to where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. I had met a friend in Neuchâtel, uh, Switzerland, who uh, a friend of a friend who had like a barbershop slash uh, fashion concept store. And it was the first time I had seen someone riding a hoverboard. And I was like, where did you get that from? <laughs> and he's like, I got it from Guangzhou. So when my friend reached out, and so she wanted to go to Guangzhou. I was like, oh, this is the universe. Like, I need to be there. <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> so I went. <laughs> I went. I love it. Yeah. This, yeah, yes has gotten you to many great experiences. <laughs> uh, and, some, and some crazy ones, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing you live to tell about them. A hundred percent, man. You know, I think that... Um, you know, I spent two years in China and at the end of like that second year, I felt 
like in my spirit that it was time for me to move on to do something different. Mm-hmm. But I have never regretted any decision that I have ever made, any yes that I have, you know, uttered because I feel that even if something may not have turned out the way in which I wanted it to turn out, and that's not really often because I, I try to go into things without having too many expectations. I still learned something, right? Mm-hmm. About myself, about the location, about people. I still learned. And that's pretty much the the concept or the the theme I try to live by, you know, all things considered. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, one thing that I've enjoyed discussing with you is like this process of now that you return home what do you do like how do you even especially having a series of processes abroad mm-hmm. um like how do we re-enter <laughs> and I guess if you want to talk about Ooh. it from just maybe a personal standpoint or an industry standpoint or both I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts on that sure so you know um I don't know if you know this Sharice but my re-entry process was actually um like it had a six month start. Okay. So when I finished my contract um, in China, I wasn't ready to go home. I actually felt quite tired. I said, Mm. man, I've been like working for a really long time. I've been saving money and I just want to not work. I don't know what it is that I want to do next. I think it might be study abroad, but I don't know how to get into it. So I need to spend time focusing on me. And what I really love to do is spend time with my friends. Mm -hmm. So I went on like a six month radical sabbatical, if you will. (laughs) I like to call it. I love it. Radical sabbatical. Yeah. I like found this concept online. I'm like, "Hmm, can, can only, you know, professors take sabbaticals. So I said, I'm taking myself a radical sabbatical. And that same friend that I had lived with, in Morocco that I had lived and worked with um, in Turkey was now doing Peace Corps in Samoa. Mm. And she said, come, come over here. Like I'm about to have my COS, which is code for close of service for those who are interested in Peace Corps. And she said, come, come spend the holiday with me and we could, you know, do a radical sabbatical together. And I saved up all my money I packed up all my stuff and this was the beginning of my re-entry process and I had a few goals at the very beginning of this and I think whether or not a person um, decides to travel at the end of their program or they decide to do it when they get home Mm -hmm. it's important for you to really think about it and be intentional because you inevitably like will experience like reverse culture shock Mm. which I think that people talk about but they don't really talk about So for my radical sabbatical, I essentially, number one, I wanted to just relax and like be quiet. I really wanted quiet. And I also wanted to talk to as many people as possible about the things that they were doing and where it is that they were going and how they got there. Mm. Yeah, those were like my two big goals. So I went, I spent two months in Samoa. If anyone has any interest in going there, I say yes. Don't second guess it. It was an amazing experience. One, to be there with her um, for her close of service, right? Because I was essentially spending time with people who were there focusing on Peace Corps. But two, because Samoan culture is very interesting and they have some really awesome Christmas music. (laughs) 
I don't listen to a playlist, but it's like Caribbean, like Christmas. Like it was very Ooh. interesting. So <laughs> I'll send you a playlist if you'd like. I um, would love it. <laughs> so when I was in Samoa, man, I was just really slowing down, slowing down, eating, you know, food, just like eating fish, just meditating taking my time writing. I was trying to study for the GRE, which was not successful. <laughs> that was not successful at all. Um, but I tried. That's that's the goal, right? Just try. Right. And, um, you know, I had a really good time reconnecting with my friend because we had, had our own, you know, friendship struggles as relationships sometimes do. And just spent time, you know, with her. Um, after that, you know, we embarked on a journey where we went from... So before that, I went to Hong Kong, Australia, landed in Samoa for two months. After that, we went to, oh, sorry, not, uh, it was Hong Kong, New Zealand, Samoa, mm. Australia. We spent about a month in Indonesia, which was amazing. Many people, when they go to Indonesia, um, they want to go to Bali, which I think is amazing. I love Balinese people. Um, but we actually went north to Sumatra. And we went on a two-day trek uh, in the Sumatran jungle um, Mm. with this organization. I'll have to send you a link. I think it's called Eco Travel, Sumatra Eco Travel. They were amazing, very knowledgeable about the forest. Um, They were also really funny. And I love humor. So that was great. Um, After we left Indonesia, we spent a little bit of time in Malaysia. I spent a month in Thailand. And this is where she and I split. So she ended up going home. And she went diving and went home. And I said, I'm still not ready to go home because there was a snowstorm happening. And I said, oh, no, Jesus. I'm not going back from Thailand to the snow. Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm glad that you could laugh with me because I was so serious at that moment. I was like, I have no winter clothes. I have no desire to like be around the cold right now. I'm still yeah. not ready. I still felt like there was more within me that I needed to process you know, as I made my way back home. And so I essentially spent the the latter half of the month, I went to a silent meditation retreat in the north of Thailand uh, near Pai, uh, Mm. almost near Mei Hung Song. It was really, it was an intense experience to not speak for six days, but I think it gave me an opportunity to like really dig into myself. And it was there that I decided like, okay, I do want to go home. I need to make money. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone keeps messaging me on Instagram about how they can how they can travel. And I've been learning a lot about international education, hmm, study abroad. So I had put that out into the air and I made one more stop, Sharice, teaching again. I said I wasn't going to teach again, but I ended up saying yes one more time because a friend of mine who I work with in China, again, the theme here is connections, right? invited me to stay with him in Laos. And I took a slow boat, a boat for two days from the uh, the north of Thailand over into Luang Prabang, Laos. Mm-hmm. It's a slow boat for two days on the Mekong. Amazing. I met some people who are also still friends to this day. And I went to Thailand. I'm sorry, I went to Laos and I taught uh, high school at an international school there. And this was such a cool experience because those students actually I think you know that I I do uh, have done in the past research on Gen Z looking at um, ways in which we can like 
create inclusive uh, materials with regard to study abroad and understanding like who our students are. And it was at this particular posting that I realized, huh, these students are really similar to my students in New Orleans, but in a really weird way. Like technology, right? Like they're talking about pop culture. Like they're not paying attention to me in class. <laughs> How do I get their attention, right? Um, and so this was the beginnings actually of like of that conversation. And again, I think at that point, um, I wasn't thinking about the presentations I would do later on, but I did realize that I was done with that part and that I wanted to do something differently and I was finishing up my contract and working with that school in Laos was really an amazing experience. Um, the international school system in and of itself can be hit or miss um, for mm-hmm. several different reasons, which you can talk about or not talk about. Um, but my particular experience was great. Um, I was the only African-American woman on the team, um, which was great, which was fine. Like they were really curious. They, it was, it was fine. You know, I had mm-hmm. a great time. Um, I also felt like just being in Laos, like there weren't as many people that paid attention to that part of my identity as much um, compared mm. to like being in other Asian countries. So that was also another point of like relaxation for me. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciated that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so essentially at the end of that, I had one more friend who had got a job at my previous company and she said, Hey, we're hiring. I think that you will be great. You have a unique experience. Would you like to come on board? So I I ended up um, being hired and and coming on board for that particular position. And this is when the real work started for reentry because I moved to Boston. It was different from Laos. It was different from Thailand. It was different from everything I had known for like the past five or six years. Yeah. And I would say for any student coming back or any advisor who may be listening to this conversation, I I think the most important piece about reentry, and maybe you'll agree or disagree, is just simply to like offer space Mm. to process and have conversations that are really open and maybe like having activities such as like writing activities to really just get your story out. Because yeah. part of my reentry process was me going through the materials that my company already had on file and really just like taking the time to like reacclimate myself with, oh, like there's more plastic in the grocery store and people dress like this and I need to email like that. And, yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Also, I'm not in a classroom anymore. So my interactions aren't with necessarily with young people in that particular setting right mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm working with um, because I had came into this particular role um, I'm working with different types of stakeholders and I need to reacclimate to that so my re-entry process was a lot of love from my family I mean I needed to be around my people <laughs> but also connected with people like you right who had traveled people who had who could understand the things that I was sort of dealing with Right. Um, with regard to just like missing that life yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> we were talking earlier about how much you know I, I think about how expensive it is it is here in dc sometimes and i'm like man i was balling in china <laughs> exactly i would tell my <laughs> friends all the time i'm like no i'm china rich not america rich like it the money yeah. doesn't transfer the same way <laughs> yeah 
Right. You know, and it, it really, I think that it, it took me some time to have patience with myself and grace with myself and reentering. Um, just like volunteering, volu- I'm a person, again, I was a former AmeriCorps. Service is really important to me. So having the opportunity to hold space for other students, um, you know, participate in conferences and things like that gave me a chance to just stay connected to the international life Mm -hmm. without actually being international yeah so I was really blessed yeah and I I think you you hit on some things about just giving yourself time and patience and adjusting to that is really important because uh, I think oftentimes as as we do uh, it's just okay now you're back hit the ground running and sometimes you do just really need that space to to think about and process all that you've been through one of the things that I had an opportunity to do over the last few years was go to a few re-entry conferences Mm. that were hosted so um, there used to be an organization as you know called lessons from abroad yes so that was really cool and I think that you know if there are any students listening um you know, seek out those types of opportunities to be around other students who have essentially like had the same experiences as you, because it will, again, increase your network, um, but also give you an opportunity to like share in some of those like losses or things that you miss, if you will. Yeah. Um, That was really cool. And also, you know, the other part of it too, is going to those types of spaces allows you to think about professional development. Because the other part of what I had to do in reentry was figure out how can I actually talk about what it is that I just experienced. Oh, yeah. Like, one of my biggest pet peeves is when someone is like, how was your trip? And I say, it was great. Right. <laughs> well, what was great about it? <laughs> right. What exactly was great? And so I, I feel even in just telling you about my journey, like, that I was long-winded. But it took me time to even get it down to that. <laughs> no, I mean, that I was grinning the whole time. I was just like, I think the next step for, for continuing the debrief is like, this needs to be a book, a movie. <laughs> <laughs> just put that out there for you in the world. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see about that. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've thought about that, but I, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, but no, truly, though, I do think that, like, storytelling is important. Um, I've had this conversation with several friends and colleagues. And, you know, for me, I'm more of an orator. You know, I like to talk, talk, talk. And, you know, I enjoy telling stories and, and things like that. But I think for students returning, right, like, it really is important to think about the type of storytelling you're doing, right? Mm. So am I telling a story to a friend about how, how lit something was? Or am I telling a story to a grant board about here's who I am and why you should hire me or give me this money? And there yeah. are several different ways in which you can go about uh, sort of getting in the driver's seat, if you will, and telling your own narrative, controlling the narrative. Yeah. It's really important. It's really important. And I had to, I had to learn how to do that. And one of the joys, one of the things I loved the most about my, my previous position was being able to have conversations with students about doing exactly that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's something um, that's an important focal area for students because, you know, I think about employers too and the way we even ask questions about international mm-hmm. experiences. Mm-hmm. Um 
you know, some people like the more salacious things. It's like, how do you balance that? I'm at a job interview. Mm -hmm. I don't need to tell you about fun nights out. Like, this is what I learned. (laughs) (laughs) Here's how it can be a benefit to your organization. (laughs) You know, with some people, you know, they want to hear the salacious stories. Right. Where you are. But no, I think for me, the, 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 the cross point is really the self-reflection I think that's the the most important piece is when you talk about something that you experience right this this is an activity that I do in my presentation so I call it flip the script if you will so I can tell someone like oh man like I was so upset because I was riding the bus in I don't know in London and I got lost and I was like I was lost. I didn't know where I was going. It was very stressful. Or you could flip the script in a positive way and say, man, you know, I know how to manage crisis very well. I know how to keep my cool under pressure. And this is what Mm. I'll bring to your organization. For an example, there was a time when I got lost in London and it was very difficult, but instead of freaking out, I chose to ask one of the bus drivers or I smiled and made friends with someone else or I read the signs, right? Talk about exactly what it is that you went through and use that as an example to describe, uh, you know, your introspection of like, here's what I was thinking when I went through that. And here's the skill that was built out of this. And mm-hmm. here's the skill that I will bring to your organization or what you may get out of working with me as an entrepreneur, right? If you are a yeah. business owner, perhaps, because you don't have to necessarily work for someone to do what you want. <laughs> it's right. just how you go about telling your narrative. I love that. Yeah, great example of a, a tangible way that we can help students process those experiences abroad. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. So we have talked about a ton of things as you and I tend to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <I know>. but, <laughs> so tell me what's on the horizon for Candace? What's next for you? <laughs> you know, I think that you may have been able to like gather through uh, all of my my stories and my saying yes, that one of the things that um, has been really important throughout all of this for me is mental health and wellness. And, you know, what I'm focusing on now is uh, studying, you know, on a program to become a social worker and a therapist. Mm -hmm. And I'm really interested in looking at, you know, uh, travel as a form of like liberation and therapy and wellness. Um, And I think that I'm really, I'm working on something now with a friend to hopefully bring more experiences like this in an intimate way Mm -hmm. um, for students and young people who are looking to go abroad, but maybe they don't feel as confident to do so. Um, But with a more structured, um, reflective approach to it. Okay. So working on that and working on licensure and just providing space for people who need to unpack, whether it be, you know, a mental health crisis or just maybe thinking about travel, right? All right. Well, we will definitely be on the lookout for all of those things. We yeah. are definitely in your corner. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate the space. I appreciate the fact that you have actually created this podcast (laughs) because (laughs) I love your content. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much. Yeah.
we appreciate all the stories we've been able to hear over the last uh this is now going into year three which is crazy to even think about (laughs) and as we end all of our podcast everyone you've been stamped